Hey everyone, my name is Adrian. My name is Aaron. Welcome back to To Teach One, the health and wellness podcast that aims to empower you by improving your awareness of your mental, social, and physical being through shared experience. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with us. Thank you for investing in yourself. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen uh, to podcasts and join our community on Facebook and Instagram at T-W-O-T-E-A-C-H. That's at To Teach One and on our website at www.toteachone.com. That's the number two, T-E-A-C-H, the number one, dot com. To Teach One. That's right. Today we have two guests. Our first guest is a Navy veteran who served between 1997 and 2001 on board the USSS Eisenhower. She recently started her own small business called Your Weapon Is Your Mind, LLC, where she teaches civilians how to work with the active duty military veterans and their families in an informed and ethical way, as well as provides trainings in the workplace and elsewhere on mental health and wellness related topics. Our second guest is a dear friend and is currently enlisted in the military. He's passionate about spending a lot of time serving and sharing his experience, strength and hope with his fellow brothers and sisters in arms. Welcome to the podcast, Tiffany Morgan. Hi. And Sergeant Locke Davis. How are we doing? Good, man. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, welcome, well, thank guys. Thank you. Thank you. So glad to have you. Yeah, we had a nice little session just kind of hanging out before this. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. It was mm-hmm. fun. Learned yes. a lot of stuff. Good I know, times. Before we even got on. Yeah. A lot oh, yeah. of stuff. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting, you know, that the, uh, the culture of the military, um, if you're not involved in it, like we were talking, all you might know about it is what you've seen in movies. Absolutely. You know, and it's kind of like when, and anybody who really knows what they're doing and then somebody makes a movie about it, it's just not, you know, accurate, right? And so there really is a culture and a very proud culture, especially, you know, the United States military probably, well, I think without a doubt, right? The strongest military force that's ever existed on the planet Earth. Duh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Pretty much. Yeah, so there's a lot of pride there. There's a lot of, there's a whole culture that if you're just not involved, you don't know. Yeah. And uh, I think it's fascinating that we get an opportunity to talk with you about it. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. It's, this is great. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, super excited to have you guys. I'm really, really looking forward to this discussion. And I have one question, and you t- touched on it before we get into it. But before I ask that question, if you'd like to reach our guest today, you can reach uh, Tiffany at yourweaponisyourmind at gmail.com. That's uh, yourweaponisyourmind at gmail.com. And you can reach Locke, Mr. Locke Davis, hmm. at Locke Davis on Facebook. And that's at Locke Davis, L O C D A V I S. L O C K. Oh, I'm sorry. L O C K D A V I S. Send it. All right. Sweet. Or you can, uh, if you really don't want to do any of those two, you can also reach out to us at our website at toteachone.com. That's two, teachone.com, the number two, T A C H, number one.com. And we'll definitely get the message to yeah, them. Yeah, we'll pass it along. Yes. So. That said, what is military culture? <laughs> it's interesting. Military culture is unique in and of itself, but at the same time, it's probably the most diverse culture because you think about the people who join the military, every ethnicity, sometimes every country, other religions are all put together and working together as a very cohesive unit um, one of the most diverse cultures, um, but a culture in and of itself. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. You often don't think about that, but that's true. So you have all these men and women who need 
need to work together to survive, but from very different backgrounds. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things about movies that all the way through the spectrum from basic training to war, it's why it's why veterans hate movies about war, about the military, because the purpose of basic training isn't a, isn't a comedy show. Mm-mm. It's, it's not fun. And they're not, they're not being assholes for no reason. A drill sergeant is breaking you down. They're making you, they're taking they're taking you from all these various places that you came from and they're teaching you to work cohesively and they're teaching you to see one color and that would be blue if you're in the Navy or green if you're in the army. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, wow. yeah. that's what we learn to see is that we take all of our backgrounds out of it. It's just about who we are, how we can serve a greater purpose and basically the man to the left or right of you, man or woman to the left or right of you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I've heard uh, there's a guy called Simon Sinek, and he talks about how he went and spent time. The military actually invited him. He's written some some books on uh, leadership, and he gives talks and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, he went out to the the military, and when he asked, you know, the unanimous answer to, why do you do this? Obviously, it's dangerous and all these other things was, you know, I do it for the person like next to me, all the people that are next to me. So, yeah, and that's really great. That's uh, super honorable. And I don't know if everyone else can understand that in the way that you guys you know do um so yeah that's really 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 it's really good to like you know get to talk about all these things i'm looking forward to learning a lot more um so where would you like to start i know we're here to uh really talk about um, mental health um uh you know and ptsd the stigmas that uh, that exist not just uh uh, you know uh, PTSD really but there's so much that's going on there within the culture um I know that I'm I'm from you know I was born and raised in Africa mm-hmm. right and even with with me being an immigrant here there's so many different things that affect us um so in the same way you know there's a culturally informed way of approaching all of these things you know and and, and a culturally informed way to educate ourselves so that we can better you know, be supportive, you know, like for myself or for Aaron, you know, if if someone comes in to my d- job, how am I supposed to approach someone who's e- either active, active on active, uh, sorry, who's actively enlisted or a veteran, right? I can't just come around mouthing off, not knowing what, <laughs> what, how that's going to impact them. And this is something I think about a lot, mm-hmm. you know, that's so. That's a good question. I think an important thing to remember like just to start off this conversation is yeah. that whether it's active duty, reserve, veteran, family right. member, we are not victims. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are not um, not every single person who serves in the military struggles with a mental health di- <clears throat> excuse me, a mental health disorder. Right. Um, and unfortunately, in the media, we hear only the negative things. And yeah. so, you know, the majority of people, especially people who don't have a friend or family member who have served or are serving, that's their perception is right. that right. we're yeah. all plagued with PTSD, mm-hmm. we're all angry, and we're all going to kill ourselves. And that is definitely not the case. Now, that's not to say there's not a, a suicide epidemic going on right now yeah. uh, within the veteran community, but yes. it's also important to know that. The things that we experienced and some of the things that even created our trauma can equally be the things that make us stronger than the average person. Right. That's yeah. interesting, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I totally agree. And I, and I think even furthermore, one of the things um, to understanding any problem, you have to kind of identify, 
you know, what, what is involved in that problem. And for us in the military, like we spoke about, we're from such a diverse background. Like all of us are so different that with, with a demographic this diverse, there's going to be a diverse set of mental health kind of issues that come along with that. It's, right. it's not just PTSD. Right. You know, we have, we have anxiety and we have depression. We have addiction. We have everything that any, ver, you know, any diverse demographic suffers from. And that's, and that's one of the big problems the military is having trouble with tackling is there's just so many things that go into it. And, and so it's a really, it's kind of a conundrum, you know, um, because it gets into that stigma we were talking about where how do we, how do we come forward for help, you know? Right. So is it, so you've said a lot of, you know, really important things. And what I'm getting is that really we're all human beings, you mm -hmm. know, but, you know, that said, we're put in this position, you know, whether it's so, whether it's someone who's a civilian or in the military, we all have these things, societal pressures, you know, things within our own cultures that are trying to inform us on how we're supposed to do things, right? Oh, yeah. And so that, so what I'm hearing is that there's all these things that, you know, are very human things that are affecting us, but there's other, you know, outside forces that are keeping us from, you know, taking um, an approach, you know, one way or the other, you know what I'm saying? Or, or you know, I don't, I don't want to say the right approach. Well, it's, Or just voicing it. And I know, looking from the outside, because I'm not a veteran, and, and I know people like, you know, my good friend Locke, who've been to this experience, and they are some of the strongest, most reliable people you will ever meet, right? And I can't help but think... You know, I, I experienced my own uh, recovery process, and the beginning of that was just admitting that I had a problem. Right. Well, if my whole ethos, if my whole reason that I do what I do is to protect other people, right, is to not show weakness, is to be, you know, in a position to take care of people in a, in a real sense, in a physical sense, how difficult that would, like, almost impossible to be able to admit like, hey, I have to take a break or this is affecting me in a certain way or, or I need just to be able to talk about this with somebody, especially when everything that I've been trained to do says, no, these people over here, that you give them the freedom to do that by you not, you know, um, breaking down, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. so that's got to be horribly a, difficult. You hit the nail on the head, you know, you're trained to be a, a soldier first, no matter what your MOS or your military occupational specialty is, you're told from day one that you're a soldier first. And you're, you know, that's why everyone that joins the military learns how to shoot a weapon, become mm -hmm. proficient with a rifle or a sidearm. Um, that's why, because you should be a soldier first. So you're trained to be hard. For the most part, you should be hard. And it's, it really is, how do I break through this? You know, I'm supposed to be a protector. I'm supposed to be hard as fuck. But how do I break through this? How do I ask for help when I'm dealing with something? Mm -hmm. Because that's not the hard thing to do in our minds. That's that's not the strong thing to do. Right. Because to us, without being properly informed and helped, people like us think of that as weakness if we don't know better. Mm -hmm. It feels like weakness when you're going through it. Right. And to even add on to that, like aside from the ethos that you were talking about and, and being hard as fuck, it's a matter of, you know, when you take the oath and you are part, you, you're government property um, and the government is training you to be 
hard as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is no room for weakness. And mm-hmm. so anything that's considered a defect, which any sort of diagnosis, whether it's a mental health condition or a medical health condition, um, would be considered a weakness. And so on top of your ethos of wanting to be the protector and taking care of other people, then you've also got this pressure coming down on you that your government property. So like you have to perform at the top. I mean, I'm sure you relate to this and, you know, when you feel sick, you go to the doctor and you can do that in the military. However, if you go to sick call, you're Mm. considered the weak link. You're given Mm. a hard time about it. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, that's just how it goes. Um, even if it's something minor, much less something that could potentially take you out of the fight, something as serious as a mental illness. Yeah. So, okay, good example. We talk, uh, What's his name? The guy who runs that we love talking about. David Goggins. David Goggins, Goggins right? Yes. Yeah. Goggins. So, yes. Uh, so, well, first of all, how do you guys feel about that guy and his testimony and the things that he talks about? He's amazing. Yeah. He's a superhero. Yeah. Yeah. He's savage. <laughs> yeah that's a good word to use. that is a good word i don't know how he's still like you know together like you know he's he's super resilient right as we are as humans but yeah so looking at a guy like that and seeing his testimony right about how he had to he got kicked out of of uh, of buds right Mm -hmm. and then he found a way to get back in and you know just kind of like live out you know this dream like what he really wanted to do Mm -hmm. so looking at a guy like that and that mindset I mean, does everyone just operate like that, you know, in the military? But but you expect it to kind of like have that. Is is that what people are expected to be like? Not necessarily expected to be okay. like that. Maybe in the in the SEAL community because right. that's, yeah. that's that's you know top level stuff. Yeah. Um, but you think about the reasons people join. For him, his reason was more like this is a challenge. This is something I want to do. So I'm going to set at, set my mind to it. I'm going to make it happen. Right. But for other people, it might be, I want to be able to go to school and I can't afford to go to school otherwise, or I want benefits for my my wife and three kids, and this is a great way to do it. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, for me, as geeky as it sounds, I joined literally because I wanted to serve my country. I come from a long line of military, people who served in the military, and so that was something that was important to me. But everyone joins for a different reason, and that reason is sort of what guides you. So for, you know someone like david goggins it's yeah he's he's kind of outside the the norm i think definitely yeah I definitely, <laughs> just in life in general definitely. i know some people yeah. similar to goggins but they're not your average every day and i say soldier because i'm in the army but sure. you know military service member you know she's you're 100 percent right i did not join the military for the same reason you did i joined because i wasn't i had nothing better going on at the time and it seemed like a good idea so as far as that goes, it my reason for joining evolved as I as I grew in the military. I gained a sense of patriotism and discipline that I had never had, and I watched my life get better as a result of that. And and today, most of the things that I've accomplished are as a result of being a service member, and that's why I love it and it's so dear to my heart. But it's not the same for everyone. Mm-hmm. And again, back to the diversity of yeah, the demographic, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because you have the guy who joined because he wanted to be a SEAL. And like you said, then you have somebody that joined because, hey, it it is a way to serve your country and to get benefits, go to college, learn Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. new. I I had friends in high school. They 
they wanted to experience the world, right? They mm-hmm. wanted, you know, to go places that they couldn't afford to go, and that's you know, why they joined, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's such a large organization and so many branches. And so when we talk about the American military, it's this huge thing. And it's not just, while it's one culture, there's so many different cultures within it. Absolutely. And so, yeah, when we're talking about how to deal with, uh, you know, aspects of mental health, you know, and it's so large that even a small fraction, like you said, it's not the majority. Mm -mm. Most people don't have some of these issues, but even when it's not a large percentage, it's still a lot of people. And and I found um, when we were talking earlier, when you were talking about, you know, the ethos and staying strong, I thought it was interesting because... I did get a chance to go recently, and you were there um, as well, to uh, an organization that was putting together resources for veterans. And one of the things that I had never thought about that I – f- I forget her name, but the lady who was running it – was talking about she knows when soldiers, uh, seamen, airmen come back from deployment, if – I guess they're given some kind of questionnaire, and they know. They're like, I want to go again. And so I'm not going to check this certain box because I know if I check this box that they're not going to let me go. And yes, I am experiencing some of these issues. And and yes, I am experiencing that. But I'm not checking yes because that's going to take me out of what it is that I love to do. Right. And that is just so difficult. We ask so much of them, you know, and we depend upon them so much that, you know, their health and wellness when – during and even when they're when they finished with their duty is just super important and so you know if we can find a way to help i you know i think we ought to right and that's why y'all are here so that's that's great huh thank you i mean i as far as those questionnaires go they can make you feel a certain way because it doesn't give you a lot of faith in the organization you serve because you feel like those questionnaires are out to take you out of the fight sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know about you. I mean, I'm still in, so I'll tread lightly, but I can say I have not been forthcoming before on some of them. And for the simple reason that I didn't want to be in a non-drilling status or in a non-deployable status, to me, that that was worse than telling the truth. Right. So I didn't. And there's some truth behind that. Like the reason people say, you know, they they may answer those differently uh, or not truthfully because they're worried how it's going to affect their career because it does affect their career. And it's Mm -hmm. the same for first responders, police and fire. Um, Anyone who, you know, is struggling with, again, a mental mental illness or some sort of mental health symptoms, um, that is going to affect their career, not just immediately like in terms of being uh, deployable mm-hmm. but even in terms of like making rank and staying really, in yeah. the military so yes. it does affect people negatively hmm. when they answer those a certain way yeah wow that's that's really interesting so some of these things where we're talking about so obviously there's you know there's the one everyone knows there's PTSD there's addiction mm-hmm. um a little bit less spoken about but we see some of re- some references like you know in the movies and stuff like that right um there's this there's suicide tbis anxiety depression what uh resources are available out there you know uh, what is out th- what kind of help is out there 
it, it kind of even depends, you know, are you active duty? Are you reserve? Are you uh, a veteran? Are you a family member? Because it's different for all. Um, and another important piece here is a lot of resources de- are determined by, on your discharge status. Um, and so everyone's heard of a DD-214, and that's what you get when you leave the military. And it talks about, you know, what you did, you know, the years that you were in, what you did while you were in, the awards you received, and your actual status of discharge. And if you get something other than honorable, uh, that can affect not only your benefits through the Veterans Administration, but that can affect any sort of resource because a lot of veteran resources are dependent on having an honorable discharge from the military. And what's unfortunate about that is people who are serving and maybe are getting out, whether it's a medical discharge or dishonorable or other than honorable, they're getting out um, and now they don't have access. Not only do they not have access to the Veterans Administration, but they have very limited access to other resources in Mm. the community because those resources are also, well, where's your DD-214? Yep. So, you know, there's great, but there are good resources in the community, nationally, locally. I could talk about that for probably an hour, that alone. Yeah. So. (laughs) We'll do our best to go ahead and, you know, provide some links. You know, if people Mm -hmm. are, you know, maybe family or whoever really needs access to those, we'll we'll provide some of those links. Yeah, absolutely. To speak to to one thing, um, if I could, because you brought up the Mm DD-214. If you're listening and you're a veteran who has anything other than an honorable discharge, you can petition the discharge board for an upgrade. Mm-hmm. It is possible. It is not the end all be all. Right. Yeah. You know that was I had never heard of that until we were at that conference, and one of the resources was uh, an organization that for free would would take those cases mm-hmm. and and see about an upgrade, because I know a gentleman. I don't know the details, but I know that that's his status. Is it's something other than honorable, and. He wasn't aware that there was anything available. And it was fortunate because I was able to tell him, I'm like, you know, I don't know exactly what, but I know that there are things. I know that there are people that will work for you. I know that there is something that can happen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that that's awesome. I think I would even add to that, again, to speaking mm-hmm. to the veterans out there is, you know, this is a piece of paper. And although it does have quite a bit of weight in terms of uh, your future moving forward, in terms of benefits and employment, don't let that define you. Because just because you have an other than honorable or even a dishonorable, um, it's possible. And more times than not, that is due to something that's happened either prior to joining the military or while you were in the military that sent you down the wrong path. You got caught up in substance use or domestic violence or whatever it is. Um, don't let that define you and keep you from getting help because you see yourself as less than. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you still served, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, it's uh, it's so interesting. I know we were talking beforehand. I I have not served, right? But I still think that everyone. I remember it used to be that way. Like I remember growing up and hearing. Like I grew up thinking that that's what was going to happen. Like you turn eighteen or nineteen, you go to the army for two years, or you decide to join another branch of the service. And it actually surprised me when I got to be like sixteen or seventeen and really began investigating that that's not how it worked anymore. And you know, so you have all this, the the volunteer army, which is great. And yet in a way it separates society from those who never even considered serving and then those that did. And I wonder, 
if you know, and it's you know, it's a moot point. It probably isn't going to happen again. But what it would be like if everybody, you know, had because I know that's how it is in some countries like Israel. Mm-hmm. Everybody serves, right? So mm-hmm. everybody has mm-hmm. been in the military. So you have this experience, you know, even if you decided not to stay or even if it wasn't the best time, you know what it's like to at least be enlisted in the military. And in America, like we said, all we have is movies. If you've never, you know, or video Mm -hmm. games. So you think you know, but you don't know. Just because, you know, I've watched, Mm -hmm. um, I remember I watched, it was an HBO special. It was like, I forget what the name of it was, but it was right after uh, the 2003 um, invasion of Iraq. Generation Kill. Yes, I believe mm-hmm. that was. It was like 11 episodes. And I remember thinking after watching that, like, that was extremely realistic. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, what did I know? I have no idea or no frame of reference. Yeah. I mean, I I go back and forth on that. Like, I don't know that I would want everyone in this particular country to serve. <laughs> and when we were talking about this before the podcast, I said that I did. And then I thought about it. And I know some of the people I've met in my life, and I'm like, I don't want that motherfucker next to me in a foxhole. Hmm. I, they can't pick up a weapon and proficiently fire back, cover their sector of fire, or carry me off a battlefield. Right. They, you know, it's not feasible, and it's not... Yeah. I, I like being an all-volunteer army for the fact that whether you join for the benefits or you join because you're a patriot or you join for this or that or the other, you took into account what you were signing. You thought mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not just something you went about willy-nilly. You you gave it your time and attention, and you put some hard thought into it, and you signed the dotted line, and you knew what you were signing up for. Some people act like they don't when they get some bad news, like they're going to deploy or they're going to do this or that, but they did. We all did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I that's kind of how I prefer it. That's an interesting point. Yeah. And it seems, I mean, obviously, that's the, the policy decision that's been made, right? Mm-hmm. And it, you know, seems to be effective. It's yeah. it's interesting because I, I kind of feel the same way. Like when mm. people ask me like, well, do you think everyone should serve in the military? And my my immediate response is no, for the same reason. There's lots of people I can think of off the top of my head that I would not want to serve with. On the other hand, you think about a place and, and, and you think about a place like Israel where literally everyone, male, female, doesn't matter. Yeah. Everybody serves. So in our country, one percent of our population actually joins the military, as right. opposed to Israel, where we'll say ninety-nine percent. Sure, I mean, I'm sure yeah. there's people with disabilities and whatnot that don't, mm-hmm. but for the most part, everybody serves. So the interesting thing is, part of I my personal belief is part of the problem when we come back and we're transitioning into the civilian world is the civilian world doesn't understand right. because they haven't been there, done that. And it's a, it's a different culture. So the Israel, they have a warrior culture, right? right. The states, well, they're constantly threatened. Yeah. 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 I mean, aside from the fact of where they're physically ge- geographically located. Yeah. yeah. They're constantly at threat uh, or yeah. yeah. Their kids don't grow up soft. No. They don't grow up like our kids grow up. So. Yeah. It, well, and it is interesting. Yeah. And they've had to take that on, right? As as a, a way of surviving in their culture. I always think it's interesting how, you know, if you're in a uniform in Israel, you can get a ride anywhere. Like, because everybody has, everybody's a veteran. Right. So yeah, if, you're, good... if you're in a uniform, they'll pick you up and take you wherever they're going to go. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, I, I just wonder if those people that you might not want to serve with, I just wonder, would that would that have changed them into a person who was more reliable and you know i just wonder 
Fair question. I mm-hmm. wonder that about myself because it was in 2003 and I had made some mistakes in my life that disqualified me from the military by the time mm-hmm. I was uh, 20. And and I actually got a call from a recruiter because at that time they were like, hey, if you've had this issue and you would like to make up for it, here's your opportunity. And it was really the only opportunity that I ever had legitimately to join. And I chose not to. And I look back at that and I wonder, you know, would that have made me a better person? Even if it was just in the sense of responsibility, like you said, you grew into it mm-hmm. and it made you a better person. Oh, yeah. More reliable, mm-hmm. uh, somebody who was uh, patriotic and dependable. Discipline. Uh, discipline, mm-hmm. right? You know, and it, no, yeah. It, and it, it definitely, it's, it did change me for the better. I'm not saying that it wouldn't change a lot or large, you know, percentage of our population because yeah. I was soft growing up. Yeah. You know, I was oh, soft as puppy shit. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. coming into the world and learning how to be a man at basic training and then after that throughout my career, like I hadn't been tested. I hadn't I hadn't had anyone push me the way that I was pushed at that point. Yes. I mm-hmm. responded accordingly and, and really took to it. Not everyone would do that. So yeah, I just, that's true. That's just how I look at it. Yeah. And I, you know, you think about the qualifications for joining the military, and that that those have changed over the years drastically and continue to change. And so I think about a guy that I served with almost twenty years ago, um, and he was court ordered to yeah. was like you can go to jail or you can join the military. So he joined the Navy, mm-hmm. and he he's still in like he's he's close to retirement at this point and he's rocking it and he was one of the top performers in our in our unit so you know it it but that's not always going to be the case right yeah man some of the finest officers non-commissioned officers i have ever served with are people that consider the military a second chance yeah it's interesting how people can turn their lives around when they're presented with an opportunity. So like you said, there'd be some people that you wouldn't think would take to it, but they've absolutely just flourished, like you were saying. And and I think it's because, you know, when you're pressed down like that and like in anything, you can either, you know, run away or you can face up and like the military and the pride and what people can feel being there. I could certainly, not having experienced it, but I could certainly imagine what that would be like because I wonder, like I said, if I had taken that opportunity, I think my life would have been totally different, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's how it is when somebody's actually in the military. But I know that we're we're talking about the mental health aspect. And I know that, you know, getting out of the military, like we talked about with the DD-214 and what that can be like, is a totally different experience. Right. And so in that transition, in transition period not being able feeling like you can't get ahead because of you know you're you're having that status um can actually bring on some mental health you know problems you know let alone whatever you may may already exist and so my question is now that we're on the topic so what is like the stigma of like mental health because you know that's something that affects you know people actually being able to move on i mean we're taught to suck it up and don't ask, you don't ask for help. You're you're in the helping profession. Um, you're helping other people, and uh, which is interesting because you know now working in mental health, we we like to use the example of when you go on a plane and what does the flight attendant say about the oxygen mask? You put it on yourself, right? Because if you don't put it on yourself, you can't help the person next to you. 
But in the military, it, it's a little bit different. I mean, it's, it's the same idea, but you're, it's not that you're discouraged from asking for help, but you don't want to be seen as the weak link. You always want to be at the top of your game. And so asking for help is not, it's not an option. Exactly. I mean, it's the stigma is basically the difference between a civilian and a military service member is that a civilian um, is encouraged to seek help. They're made very aware of the resources, and it seems like people push them in that direction, while the military is completely different. You are hard. You're supposed to be tough. It's unbecoming of a soldier to admit weakness. And Um, to add on to that, the American society preaches individualism. The military preaches teamwork. It's about the team. It's not about you. You're – you – I don't even think in the list of priorities you're in there anywhere, right? It's country and God and the person next to you. It's not yourself. Um, no. So just to add on to that, yeah. yeah. And that is such an amazing beauty. I feel like naturally, yeah. I feel like it's it's more of a, it's it's harder to program us to just practice individualism. Like it's it's such a great like effort that you have to put in because I think naturally, like look at any time there's a natural disaster or like some some kind like you know Katrina or anything like that, right? Then you see those pictures of a white male carrying a little black child and it Mm -hmm. becomes like a big deal and it's like listen what you're looking at is what like naturally we're kind of encoded to do Mm -hmm. right there's just all these other things that you know external forces and like you know uh, media and all these things that kind of really reinforce this idea that it's just you do your thing you know that kind of uh rhetoric so yeah i really love that about the military it's awesome and so are there any other differences between, you know, civilian and military life that contribute to the stigma uh, and, and the overall issue? Yeah, I mean, currently being in, I would say, speaking with friends, um, you, you lose a, there's a sense of freedom that's taken away from you serving the military. Um, I mean, your day is regimented and it's regimented by someone other than yourself. You're told what time to be at formation, what time to be at PT. You have to work out every day. And I'm speaking more towards the active duty lifestyle than I am the reserves or guard. But that can that can formulate some sense of, of, of yourself like inevitability and some depression because um, you, you feel like you don't have the power of choice anymore. You're told what time to go to chow and what time to be back. And you have no say at what time you're getting released at the end of the day, but your paycheck's always the same. And so that that can breed it. It's it's completely different than the civilian lifestyle. Even what you wear to go to PT. Even what you wear. Everybody's wearing the same thing. Lottie dotty, everybody. Yep. Man, that is it, it's yeah, interesting. It's interesting stuff, right? Yeah. Wow. So things that I you know really don't think about, um, but are very very interesting to think because i went to but I, I see a lot of that in some parts of like society right like you know you go you know when you go to schools private schools they have the uniforms right and it's just to create that same um you know that air of unity mm-hmm. like you know like you're no different than the person next to you right. you know uh, maybe they don't you know preach as much like that that person is um you know you're responsible for them and they for you uh but it's there's definitely that same thing communicated there you know i was just I was just wondering, you know, because we do see um, veterans in our line of work, and what we do is very, in its own way, regimented, right? So mm-hmm. these gentlemen, they're required to, to be places at a certain time, required to do certain things. And I was, you know, just commenting about how sometimes 
and it it's almost as if it's a false sense because they veterans tend to do really well when we're like hey you need to make your bed and you need to be up at this time and you need to get this done and and they do all that really well and so as somebody who is you know working in the recovery field it can make you think oh this guy is doing great when they it's may just normal not to be. them right yeah, yeah. and they it's are just normal in, in that aspect they are doing great mm-hmm. but that that can give a false sense like you may think oh he's doing better than these other guys mm-hmm. But it's just that he, you know, is trained in that way. And so you have to make sure that you're not overlooking some real needs that are there mm-hmm. because they are doing really well with some things that other guys struggle with. So, you know, you get somebody who's not used to that regimented uh, lifestyle, and that's where you notice that they flare up. Instead of somebody who's a veteran, you, you might not give them as much attention because they, they're doing so well. And right? that speaks yeah. to a piece of when we transition out, why a lot of us struggle because all of that structure, literally every second of every day and everything you wear and how you look and your clothes, I mean, even the kind of glasses you can wear, everything is structured. And then you get out of the military, your hair, yep. Uh, You get out of the military and all of that structure is gone. So Mm. of course, when they come into your program, they get some structure. They're like, I got this. But Mm -hmm. the other thing that you're seeing is this this stoicism, right? It's like we're all taught to be tough and suck it up and don't ask for help. Um, And I know for me, when I transitioned out, that was a a big issue. And, And on top of that, it's almost... It's more a matter of avoidance because I even think about the very first time I went home on leave and my mom said, you're so different. Like, you don't even cry. I'm like, there's no room for crying. Like, where where am I going to cry? I'm on an aircraft carrier with 6,000 people. We're stacked on top of each other. You're working 24-7. When am I going to cry? Where am I going to cry? So you just don't. Mm -hmm. you, You hold it in. And, and again, so you, you throw all those factors together, things that can be considered, you know, in combat, that's important, right? Yeah. You can't, emotion. there's no room for emotions. But then when you get out into the civilian world, that doesn't work. Not having emotions doesn't work. And being stoic doesn't work. Right. I mean, it might work for a short time, but eventually you're going to crash and burn. Yeah. Yeah. That's why dealing with it, talking about it, regimenting yourself is so important. I felt self self regimentation and discipline is is the key to my life because as a as a reservist or a guardsman, which I currently am active in, um, I only get the military discipline for a short period every month, right? I've I've spent long periods of my life on active duty, so I got long periods of that discipline on a day to day basis. But um, like it's like you said, coming home. You wonder what to do for a little bit. You don't know. Mm-hmm. And you start to deal with a little bit of things in your head because you thought you were miserable under the thumb and being told what to do every day. Right. And then you're back and you don't know what to do with yeah. yourself when you're the one making the calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it makes me think. So, again, movies, right? But I was watching this movie and I, I think I picked up on that. So it was that movie. What was it called? It was the guy. He, uh, he diffused the bombs. Um, oh, the Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. Mm. And there was this scene that I, I thought, I mean, not having been active duty or in the military at all, but he's, so it's so intense, right? And then he's back in the United States and it just shows him 
at this uh, grocery store in the cereal mm-hmm. aisle in the cereal aisle and you yeah. just get this sense of he's just like what am i doing here like mm-hmm. what what is this and then bang he's back you know mm-hmm. because that's what he wants to do mm-hmm. and i could see how that would be difficult like if your life is spent doing some things that while highly dangerous are things that most people will not experience or do and it it must be hard right to to drop that and to just go back and be like okay so now i'm going to talk about my feelings and and be an emotionally vulnerable human being when your entire survival depended on that not being the case Mm -hmm. especially coming back to a culture that doesn't understand what you've seen and experienced and how you now view the world you have a different lens that you're viewing the world through and the rest of our culture doesn't understand that um and so that's why that's part of why it is such a difficult transition. It's not only what you're personally experiencing, like that situation, but it's also the way you're experiencing the world and the people that are in the world with you that just have no concept. You know, I was never in combat, but some of the places I visited were very, very dangerous places where they said before we got off the ship was like, don't walk off the sidewalk because you're going to step on a landmine. People don't have that experience here in the U.S. Yeah, they just no. don't. And it puts it, it gives you a different way of looking at the world. And then when you come back to this, this culture, the American culture, it's so different uh, and doesn't support the way that we are now trained to think. Mm-hmm. And it's like once you're trained, you don't unlearn that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's so interesting that it's not just the personal experiences, but now it's the framework through which you're viewing Everything that's going on, right? So your, you know, your political affiliations, your religious affiliations, your, your how you view your family, how you, you know, all of that is now changed, and how to transition from because in many ways that's good. So like Locke said, you know, his the lens that he views his own life through, and the way you organize your life and deal with situations mm-hmm. has been changed permanently, mm-hmm. and yet. You know, for those who've experienced something or even those who are just struggling for whatever reason with that framework and how to rework it in a, in a way that they can function, right, in a civilian world and where they're not going to experience those things and how they do that. And I guess, you know, those are the services like that we need to be able to provide for our men and women when they come home and they are struggling with that. And I know it was really interesting when I was at that conference because that's where, as a civilian, I got to realize how much, how how many resources there are out there and how important it is as a, a substance use disorder provider to be aware of them so that we can, you know, maximize our effectiveness. Mm-hmm. Because again, like when I see some of these guys, I'm like, this guy that we were just speaking about in particular, I'm like... I don't know what you're going to do in the future, but if you can overcome your substance use, whatever it is, you're going to be highly effective at it. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine that anybody wouldn't want this gentleman on their team, whatever they were going to do, right? Because mm-hmm. he's just, he seems to be a guy who can get things done, right? And he's got that spirit of teamwork. And you're like, that's a guy, I like him, right? I want that guy on my team. I don't know what I'm going to do, but again, you know, we have to be able to get to that place where they can do that. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. Another part of the the transition that's difficult is you've lost your mission, 
right? So transitioning out, you have to find your new mission, however you want to word that, right? But that's the word that we all understand is mission. And so and it doesn't have to be life-changing for other people. You know, it could be something as simple as I just want to own a landscaping company and do my thing and retire at, you know, 65, whatever. Right. Whatever that mission is, you got to find that. And then apply the structure you learned in the military into that new mission. And the other important piece of that is the camaraderie. Those are the two important things that you get in the military is mm. the structure and the camaraderie. Hmm. And when you lose both of those at the same time, it's devastating. Yeah. I, I was wondering when we were going to get to the point of talking about battle buddies. Yes. You know, my battle buddies are some of they're they're closer to me than my family. And that's the truth. I mean, I share blood with people that I don't. I don't, I couldn't care less about. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to sound like an asshole. It's just honest. And then I have men I've deployed with and women I've deployed with that I would do anything in this world to help at a, at a moment's notice. It doesn't matter. Whatever they needed, I would do it. And those are the people that I've, you know, I suffered with in, in, in any case, mentally, physically, whatever we were doing, you know, we spent long periods of time together. We embraced the suck together and we formed a bond and a brotherhood and a sisterhood that's that's unbreakable. Time will never touch it. It will always be there and it can always be relied upon. And that's why when the things get hardest in my personal life, the first people I pick up the phone and call are my brothers and sisters in arms, my battle buddies, the homies, just is what I call them. Yeah. So That's awesome. And that doesn't leave. Yeah. That's The military is irrelevant as far as whether you're in or out. You, you form those bonds for life. So when you discharge, no matter what, however you discharge, you're never alone. Nobody leaves the military without a friend. I don't know anybody, and I know some people that were relatively difficult to get along mm-hmm. with, but nobody leaves the military without friends. And even even if you did, right, there are so many veteran-run organizations like Team Rubicon, The Mission Continues, Team RWB, where maybe you didn't have a battle buddy, right? Or maybe you didn't have people or the, or the people that you had weren't necessarily people you felt close to. Find your battle buddy here. Like, I think we're both on the same page. Locke and I, it's like, these are our brothers and sisters for mm-hmm. the rest of our life. You're my brother. I'm your sister. We just met today. Yep. And if you reached out to me or I reached out to you or any, you know, any veteran, there's just this connection. It's like... I could be at the grocery store and see a person wearing a veteran hat and go up and strike up a conversation. And next thing you know, it's like we're best friends. No one yeah. would know that we just met two minutes ago. We're, we're cussing up a storm. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and, the, and the thing behind that connection is truly the fact that it's earned. Mm-hmm. You know, we share this thing, this common bond, but it's the fact that the common bond itself was earned. Mm-hmm. It was not given to anyone. So if you earn the right to say you're a veteran, and I don't mean someone who went to basic training and and got medically discharged. If you graduated basic training and graduated advanced individual training, you earn the right to say you were a military service member. And therefore, we share that bond Mm -hmm. because you earned it and I earned it. And it doesn't matter if you're special forces all the way down to an admin or whoever. You were the same. You know, Mm -hmm. I've got your back the same as the other. I actually have a tattoo on my wrist. It says, and they they clown on people for having these tattoos nowadays, but I've had mine for a while. And it says IGY6. So it's like, I got your six. 
and it's any any veteran in the world. Like the idea behind it is, if you re- if you're going through something and you recognize this tattoo, you should know you've got a person that shares that bond that you can talk to. And so I wear it right on my wrist. So I mean, that's that's kind of the concept behind that camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, and it's huge, that's and that's right. really why so many veterans, whether it's tattoos or a hat or a shirt, that we wear something because when we were active, everyone knew because we had a uniform. <coughs> But once we get out, uh, unless you maintain a high and tight, um, and even then that's questionable, but yeah. you know, there's really no way to, to differentiate. So like for <coughs> me, I have, uh, you know, like a, a bumper sticker or you have a tattoo or whatever it is, something that we can see each other and we know <clears throat> that's somebody I can trust. That's someone I can reach out to for help because they understand what I've been through. Mm-hmm. High and tight, please, uh, elaborate. <laughs> You know, the stereotypical, it's generally a Marine who has the haircut. Um, you know, it's it's high and tight, so it's like flat on top. Yes. It's, it's I mean, it's basically his haircut. It's not, not my No, hair. no, no, no. Your, for the, yours for the is listeners longer. out yours there, is longer. I do not have a high and tight. No. Okay? I have a comb over. I, mean, I, 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 I know the difference. <laughs> yours is, you've got style over there, man. You know what I'm yeah, saying? He yeah, does, yeah, he does. He does. I've got, yeah. I got to go tomorrow. So yeah. yeah. I'm trying to look fresh. If it was significantly shorter on top. Yeah, put it that, that way. Good. It's generally accompanied by a scowl. Yes. <laughs> do, do, I, unfortunately, I have that picture in my. And, and yeah. again, yeah. it's from like a movie or like of course, something like yeah. that, right? No, yeah. That's the accurate part of those movies. I was going to say that's the <laughs> yeah. one thing they get right. When you were talking about that camaraderie, it made me think of something that I learned um, about 10, 15 years ago. So there's a popular slogan and or the, a saying, and people use it wrongly. So it's blood is thicker than water, right? And it's usually taken to mean that my family is the most important thing. It's actually backwards. The saying comes from, I have spilt blood with you. And that bond is thicker than the water that I share with my family. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I always just find that fascinating that it's come to mean something different than when it was originally developed. Mm -hmm. And that's what it was, was you have, you know, we have been in battle together. And so that's a bond that's totally, different and more important than even the bond of family, right? Because you don't really choose your family, right? And like you said, Mm -hmm. they didn't earn the right to be your family. They just happened to be born, right, to somebody that you're related to. Yeah. Whereas I can can see that, you know, you have – and and that other person have experienced something. Yeah. And you've earned it and it wasn't given and it's not easy. And, yeah, they – and for those of us who don't have that – when it's expressed in front of us, you're almost like you realize what you missed out on, right? You realize that there's something that you just can't, like, you can't just join into that. At least now, you know, if I were 20, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> you have, you've not, you've chosen a different path, right? Yeah. Not, not necessarily that it's a worse path, but it's just something that's completely unique to the military experience. It is. And, and it's... And if you view it properly, though, it's really something that I appreciate, right? Because the reason that you share that bond is because you took an oath to defend the people that could not defend themselves, right? That's the reason you share the bond. And that's me, right? Somebody who, you know, I've shot a gun before, but I've never, you know, been in battle. You know, I have no idea how to, like, like you're using terms like cover uh, the six or, like, perfect. You know, I can't. If you put me in a battle... I was, all, I was just throwing stuff no, out. No, 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 it's great. But we all like to think that we're hard, right? Every man kind of thinks, oh, I would be a great soldier. 
but there are men and women who have been out there and proven that they can be a good soldier. Yeah. And that's a different thing in a bond that is amazing. And I love how it's America, right? This is different. You know, for whatever you think about our military policy, it is a fact. We're not out there just doing what most militaries in the history of the world have done, mm-hmm. right? We're actually – the mission is to help people. And there hasn't been a major war since, you know, what, 1940-something, right? And and before that, before the American, American military kind of was the preeminent power in the world, before that, world wars and things, they, they happened, you know, uh, pretty often. And, and it really hasn't happened since then. And mm. and you can you know be thankful of that because of the the sacrifice and the and the decision that people have made. Like I'm going to be one of those guys or one of those ladies who is going to take on that responsibility for the people that can't or, or even choose not to. Now. And that's the essence of the bond itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And to tie it in with what we're talking about, it's the best resource. I mean, if I'm going to be completely open with you, um, I have access to all of the resources that are allowed to active service members. But there's no greater resource than my friends. I am my brother's keeper. I mean, the people, they would do anything for me. And and I get the most out of talking to them. If I'm going through something, I call the people that I've been through some shit with. And by some shit, I just mean I've been miserable on a range all day and complaining. And we share that bond of, like, <laughs> bitching together. Yeah. But, you know, regardless, I, I truly think there are so many resources available. There... There are some truly great ones, too, but the best one is your battle buddies. That's fantastic. I don't know. I've got to experience a, just a taste of that. I remember, uh, what was it, like two years ago, and you knew I was going through something, and you just literally, like, called me up and, like, we're going out to lunch, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was experiencing something, and, and we're friends, and I was like, I looked at that, and I was like, that's really cool, right? Because you knew it's like he needs to be surrounded by some people that care about him. So I'm coming over and we're going to go get some barbecue. And that really you speaks know? to yeah. the, again, like American culture <clears throat> of being an individual and dealing with things um, in a very specific way as opposed to the military where it's very team mentality. It's yeah. like he's, you're part of his team. Right. And yeah, yeah you were struggling. So, of course, he's going to step in and, and do what he can to help. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Of course, man. That's, <laughs> right? I mean, and that's just what you do. You know, it, yeah. it's the truth. The barbecue wasn't bad either. <laughs> need to, yeah, need Adrian to was there too. I was there. <laughs> yeah, Adrian, you were there too. Uh, yeah, I was, I was like, oh, man, yeah. And they were like, yeah, we need to surround him today. <laughs> With good barbecue. Good. With good and, barbecue. And good conversation. Yeah, it was yeah. fun. Yes. Um, so I think that's a perfect segue to talk about so post-military life. Um, the transition back to civilian life. We've touched on it a couple of times, uh, but, you know, what is, what's left to really say about, I'm sure a lot, right? I mean, I, I think one thing to add is over half of people who join the military have experienced some other kinds of trauma, generally childhood trauma, because most of us join right out of high school. Then we go into the military, maybe we experience another trauma. We get out of the military. The transition itself, regardless of prior traumas, can be traumatic in and of itself because of all the things that you're losing. You put all that together, we call that complex PTSD. And it can take a lot of time to get 
to work through those issues. So just speaking for myself, as someone who experienced childhood trauma, went into the military, experienced military sexual trauma, and then came out of the military, and I was lost. I mean, I, you know, it went down the darkest road of roads and thankfully was, you know, reached out for help and got it, but it's been, it's taken years to get to where I am today. And it's, it's an ongoing process. You know, I have, I worked in a place where I was doing intake for uh, veteran mental health. And so I'm getting questions from people who are either in the process of transitioning or have just gotten out and, you know, well, am I going to have PTSD the rest of my life? And, you know, like I'm screwed, you know, PTSD, first of all, like the fact that it's, it's a normal response to a not normal situation. So it's normal that someone would have PTSD given some of the things that they've experienced, but then throw into that the the stress of transition and things can get really uh, cloudy and and, uh, confusing and you lose track of you lose, you lose a sense of that purpose, the, whatever your new mission is. You can't even think about that. And, and because you've got this, you know, suck it up, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, don't ask for help, you've got this. Um, it's, it's a disaster. It, it's a recipe for disaster. And that is why we have this suicide epidemic in the veteran community. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, man. I was just agreeing. I'm sorry. I was, um, oh. you know, you said suicide epidemic in that, you know, mm-hmm. we lose, uh, we have one of the highest suicide rates among any demographic mm-hmm. m- measured out there today. It may be the highest. Um, and it is one of the hardest things to put your finger on. And, and, and if I can be frank here, I fucking hate it. I hate, I'm tired of losing my friends. Like, mm-hmm. People that I, you know, I go to reconnect with on Facebook and I search them out and then I, you know, I, it's just, it's one of the things I'm passionate about. It's why I'm here. I hate, I know that getting to that point is sometimes a long road and I wish that I could be of service and help along that path. And so, you know, 22 a day is the number that the Mm -hmm. military loves numbers. They love numbers and acronyms and they say 22 a day. We lose 22 service members or veterans a day to suicide yeah and that is just too fucking many um and that's that's an underestimate because something that's specific and and maybe not just specific to the the military or veteran population is risk-taking behaviors and impulsive things that we do um especially combat veterans who are used to that adrenaline rush and looking for that they're going to do things that put themselves at risk. Now, they're not necessarily doing it because they, they're they intending to kill themselves. But if they die in the process, well, then that's a benefit. For, that's how they view that. Hmm. And so those deaths get ruled as maybe an accidental death. And so 22 a day isn't even an accurate number. I mean, there's probably a lot more that just wow. get ruled as an accident. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. And yeah, 22 a day. That's like, I think about the people I served closest with, you know, there was 80 of us. We would all be dead by now, you know, 20 years later. That's so many numbers. And yeah, it's fucking terrible. I can't remember the statistic. I heard it once, but you know, they, they said, if you serve a 20 year career, 20 years, the minimum you have to serve to retire and get retirement. Um, I've heard before that if you serve a 20 year career, 
they give you a number of how many people you will have run across in your career that will commit suicide. And and it's just wow. Yeah, it's sobering. I mean, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's scary. And at the back of your head, sometimes you think, "What may happen that that they that I may be that person?" Right. And it's one of those things that I don't think is talked about often enough. Right. It nobody nobody wants to. I think it, nobody wants to talk about it because nobody, like you said, to to bring that up is to what about me? You know, mm-hmm. or, or what about my friend, right? What about this person that I know? And yet if you don't talk about it, if we don't bring it to the forefront, if we don't make it a priority, then it continues. And yeah. so, you know, the answer has to be found, right? And so we have to, and this is the reason that we are doing this podcast right now is to make these issues on the forefront of people's minds. So that they can check in on the people they know and love who have served, or if they themselves have served, maybe can reach out, right? You just have to call one of us, lock, I'm sure, you know what I mean? Like it, those resources are there. And then to hear about, you know, the ethos and this, the internalization that may keep them from doing that, it, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking, right? Mm-hmm. And hopefully, hopefully we can just make a small, you know, step in that direction here, and then hopefully it grows, right? Because that is just an unsustainable number, right? For the people mm-hmm. who have literally given themselves body, mind, and spirit to the service of their fellow Americans, we should be doing something about that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. And I think societally, you know, we were talking, we've had uh, a couple of trauma trainings, right? Yeah. And it's not, it, it exists everywhere. Mm-hmm. We don't understand trauma. When people think about trauma, they think it has to be like this huge thing, right? Sure, but it exists yeah. in so many different ways, in so many different places. And, and everyone experiences it differently. Differently, yes. exactly. Mm-hmm. And so we just need a lot more um, education, you know, so that we can, as a society, be able to face these things, you know, a lot more um, in a better way, you know, and, yeah. and, and really help each other out. Because you're right, you know, it, maybe if we, our family members, you know, our friends, just the per, your neighbor understood trauma a little bit differently, maybe they'd see something and be able to reach out to you, you know, and, and take some kind of action um, that could be helpful, you know, yeah. but I don't think we know enough. Yeah, and we are at the early stages of understanding trauma, you know, because like mm-hmm. you said at the beginning, so many people experience the same things. And for whatever reason, not because necessarily they're tougher or better or for whatever, for whatever reason, they don't have the same reaction and are able to deal with it. And so those that do have a different reaction, like there is some kind of uh, societal stigma. Mm-hmm. And we have to overcome that and realize that it has nothing to do with weakness because these people have already proven that they're strong. They wouldn't have been in that position if they couldn't do things that a lot of people um, aren't willing to or couldn't do themselves, right? So how do we get rid of that stigma and how do we move into a space where we can learn about trauma so that we can treat it effectively. And there are some things on the horizon, you know, some exciting research, even into areas that were kind of, you know, forbidden before. But I know there's a lot of research with MDMA, with microdosing, mm-hmm. with really exploring how to overcome mm-hmm. and and integrate that trauma within a person's psyche so that they can move forward. Absolutely. And yeah. I like that you brought that up because... 
you know, working in the mental health field, especially community mental health, and um, you're you're kind of trained to everyone should everyone who has mental health issues should go to therapy. Right. And everyone views therapy as you're sitting down talking to a therapist. Right. But that doesn't work for everybody. And there's right. so many different things out there to, to to use. I think of, for example, someone I've partnered with recently. Uh, her name is Michelle Kay, and she runs an organization called Operation Equine. And they do equine-assisted psychotherapy. And she and I have partnered together um, actually tomorrow we're doing a training on military cultural competence where we include in some equine activities with horses. Oh, cool. Um, because for some veterans sitting in front of a therapist or talking, it's not going to work. You put them in front of a horse and immediately they open up. Yeah. It, it's just, and whether it's microdosing or it, it, I mean, there's so many different treatments out there. And I think one thing that that I try to explain when I'm talking to veterans or, or anybody really, because again, this is a people problem. This isn't a veteran problem, is just keep trying things until you find the thing that works. Yeah. So for me, talk therapy worked. For the another person, it may not work, but maybe working with a horse or doing microdosing or who knows what, art yeah. therapy. I mean, there's so many options out there. Do you remember that very impressive uh, gentleman? At the conference, yes, and and he he was a marine, uh-huh. or is a marine, and it was so interesting because at one point he talked about he went down to South had like took two hundred people and he yeah. said it, he runs like, like a nonprofit where they do the ayahuasca yeah and it totally changed his perspective and his life I mean talking about impressive I think he had his master's degree he I was just shocked because yeah. he kept talking about how he would started these nonprofits. And but the big thing for him was that experience like changed his psyche, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and even when we talk about recovery from addiction, that's what we're looking for is that psychic change, yep. and in any way you can get to that, I think like you said, just don't stop. Whether it's equine therapy, microdosing, um, ayahuasca, just don't give up. Right? right, know that there are people out there that care and that want best for you and that research is happening mm-hmm. you know so that's you know and maybe 10 15 years ago that would have been stigmatized itself oh like gosh. oh man i can't mm. believe you did that or now we're looking at well look what it's doing right if it's able to help let it help yeah mm. right right and uh yeah it's fascinating it is fascinating because you think about american culture and it, it maybe this is not just specific to america but it's like medical medical issues should be treated by medication right well Thousands of years ago, the Chinese and, and other cultures were using natural – why are we – how did we get away from that? Yeah. Why are we not still doing that? Oh, because, you know, big pharma. Money. Yeah. <laughs> money. Money. Well, there's, exactly. Yeah. There's money in the war on drugs. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, of course. And there's money in big pharma. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's unfortunate that that's sort of how our society is. Um, so, yeah, the message is – Find help wherever you can get it, yes. um, yeah. and and don't be, you know, don't don't just be stuck in that mindset of yeah. this is the only way to do it, and if this doesn't work, well, fuck it, I'll just kill myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah keep in mind. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a veteran or not; you are never out of the fight. Yeah, never. Amen. That's awesome. Right. So whatever you want to do, you know, if you're out there searching for something, you know, definitely take steps. You know, if you need help, there's resources for people that can help you kind of sift through all of this because there's a lot out there. 
um, and always make sure that whatever you do, choose, do it with someone that, you know, can is a professional, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, someone who is well-versed in that yes. area yes. of therapy. Do right? your research first. Do your research, absolutely. Yeah. And, and then that's part of why I feel passionate about what I do is because so many people, including myself, have had negative interactions with civilian providers. Um, and, and it's not even a matter because they were civilian. It's probably because they just weren't good people. They probably shouldn't have been in this profession to begin with. Right. Right. Um, and so it does require to do some research. And if you don't know what you don't, I mean, you don't know what you don't know, find somebody who knows and ask them the questions and, and get connected to the help because the help is out there, especially in the veteran community. There's so many resources. Like yes. the meeting we were at, joining, yeah. joining community forces. You want to know what resources are in the community, look them up online, go to one of their meetings. Yeah. Um, anything you could think of, there's a resource for it. Yeah, I was, I was blown away. Yeah. yeah. I was totally impressed by the number of people in that room. And like you said, they're all vetted. These yeah. weren't just people off the streets who just decided they were going to help veterans. These are people with a proven track record of helping. Right. And yeah, I was I was impressed. It was really awesome to be there. Man, this is really encouraging. I'm loving this so far. All right. <laughs> I'm just blown away. I'm blown away by this discussion. Uh, so the disposable hero. You know, uh, and, you know, so in parentheses here, it says the feeling that our country has used, used, then discarded its warriors. And I've encountered this. And that's why I asked in the beginning, I, I talked about how am I supposed to approach, you know, um, some of the guys that I come across, right? Um, because, and, and what I started doing was I ask, I say, hey, by the way, you know, what was your experience? You know, instead of, you know, making some assumption and just going into it. And so... Yeah, let's talk about it. So what is the disposable hero and you know what do we have to say about that? Well, I'd like to like to point out I got the the name disposable hero from uh, a guy, I wouldn't call him a friend of mine, but you know, uh, he and I know each other. I've met him a few times. He's back from my hometown of Louisiana. Um he was a Marine sniper, uh, decorated combat veteran, and he came back and he started a nonprofit organization called the Disposable Heroes Project. And from what I've talked with other guys, I've asked them, like, you know, what do you think that word means, disposable hero? And it's the sense that we volunteer ourselves and we volunteer essentially everything that we are to include our lives. And we go overseas at, at you know, on the order of someone else. And when we come back, there's a sense sometimes that lately or in the past maybe decade, you know, the patriotism after 9-11 wore off and now... It's an ungrateful nation in a lot of senses that these guys come back to. And so that can be a really jarring thing that adds to that mental stress, right? You know, because you find so much sense of of self when you're over there. Um, You're in service to your country and the people that belong to that country. And you come back and those people couldn't give a shit about you. Or at least that's how you perceive it. Mm -hmm. And so I put that in there because... I found it to be so critical. I've watched my friends' faces light up when some person just thanks them for their service. You know, it, it shows them that they are appreciated, they are loved, and they are valued. Um, that means the world to someone. Now, for the most part, they don't want to be thanked for their service all the time. They don't They don't want you to know, but it is, it is good to know that they don't have to feel disposable and that they aren't, that we aren't, that we never were, and that that is all a mental thing that we go through when we get back. Mm-hmm. And... 
to even expand upon that, it's not just a matter of you see someone on the street and you're like, you know, maybe they're wearing a shirt that says I'm a veteran or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you go up and say, thank you for your service. My, it's interesting because I was raised again in a military family, did ROTC in high school. Like that's what you did. You saw a veteran, uh, you thanked them for their service. And I interacted with a Vietnam veteran who was like, no, no. Mm-hmm. Like I get fucking pissed when someone thanks me for my service. And most veterans, my experience for most veterans, they either it makes them super uncomfortable because we're very humble in, in that regard. Mm-hmm. But then on the other side of it, it's you don't even know what you're thanking me for. You don't mm. even know on any level what I've experienced and what you're thanking me for. And having a yellow ribbon on your bumper or support the troops license plate, like do, or just saying thank you for your service, do something to show there's, there's words and then there's actions. Do something to thank someone for their service. Don't just say it because there's more to it than that. And I'd like to caveat on that. Don't pay for, you know, I mean, as much as we appreciate it by doing something, take the time to send a care package to somebody deployed. When we say do something, I mean, don't come pay for my dinner if you know that I'm a veteran. We, I, I like to see people interact and uh, support the veteran community and especially those currently serving. Those deployed, those overseas, give your time, give your attention, write a letter. Write a letter to somebody overseas. They don't know you, but it could mean the world. Um, you know, those are the type of things we mean when we say action is better than, than words. So I have a question. So when we do, because yes, you're saying take action, right? <coughs> and and that's something we can do when we get back home, or or you know mm-hmm. or something like that. In the moment when you meet someone and you have this reaction to them being a military service member, right? And you want to communicate something to them. What is the appropriate thing <laughs> to say, if anything? I- it really depends on who you're talking to. Right. Like I'm not, I personally am not going to get offended when someone says, thank you for your service. But I, as a veteran have said to other veterans, Hey, as a veteran, thank you for your service and have gotten negative reactions, even veteran to veteran. So it really just depends on who you're talking to. Some people would say, well, I'd prefer you say welcome home, or I'm glad you made it home. Um, but on a deeper level, it's the asking the questions. Hey, what was your experience like? Yeah. You know, what branch did you serve in? How long were mm-hmm. you in? Mm-hmm. Um, show an interest. You look yeah. like you're going to say something. Oh no, I'm add? totally agreeing with you. Yeah. No, I, didn't know if you're I, I just add. was thinking when people say thank you for your service to me, I get extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. It's a yeah. weird. I get feeling. very yeah. uncomfortable, and I just say thank you. Yeah, I mean, I just say thank you. It's interesting because I just tend to do like the head nod. You know, like. Yeah. Or things that, and I know it sounds silly, but like if I see somebody with a, not a bumper sticker, but the license plate, right? Air Force, Marines, whatever. I'm way more likely. I'm like, okay, you can get in in front of me. You know, just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that that person's good. <laughs> they, t- they know how to take advantage of all of the benefits. <laughs> yeah. Also, if I don't but, let them in, well, they yeah, might right. chase me down. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. You know, it's, it's small things like that because I, I, I would feel uncomfortable, right, saying that. You know, just somebody I don't know. Sure. You know, I like like what you said. You know, if you have the chance, if you're standing by somebody in line and they have a you know a Vietnam veteran, the hat on to be like, 
hey, you know, uh, you know, what branch were you in? Or just to spark up a conversation to be interested in their life, to show that human compassion mm. rather than sort of the arbitrary, like, you know, thank you very much. Because you show that appreciation through just being interested in them. Yes. You know, yeah. or if somebody's, if I see an older gentleman usually is wearing like the hat, you know, I just, you know, just a little head nod. You know, to, I appreciate that. You know, thanks. You know, and I think what you were talking about earlier is sometimes people confuse how they feel about foreign policy mm-hmm. with the men and women who are tasked with implementing it. And it's not as if you can be in the military and you're going to say, you know what, I choose to follow this order, but I'm not going to choose to follow that order. Right. Exactly. That's and not you know, an option. Those no. people that can't differentiate their political beliefs yeah. from military service. They're not woke. You're, no. just, you're just an asshole. Exactly. You're just that's being just an asshole. That's just what you are. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and that, that's cool. I mean, we don't... You, know, you are... We don't care. We fight for you the right... We fight for your right exactly. to be an asshole. Yeah. yeah. That exactly. is your prerogative. It doesn't <laughs> matter to me. This is America. And that's, that's what I love about it is... Yeah, you are literally fighting for the right for some jerk off to be an asshole but don't think yeah, that you're go to being Boulder. woke right <laughs> i'm just saying sorry it's Whoa. true like, it is but it is true because you have the option to not serve in the military because like i recognize this to myself like i have the option of not serving in the military because somebody chose to serve the reason that we don't have to have a draft is because there are enough men and women who are like i'll do that i'll stand up i'll hold the shield you go ahead and do your thing bro like, that's, this is America. I get it. So you want to say bad things? Fine. That's not going to dissuade me from my job of protecting you. Yeah. Let them yeah. say it. Because yeah. generally those people are not going to do anything past saying it. Well, they why? will vocalize their beliefs. And you ever see a veteran react to that? They're usually just like, all right, man. Yeah, yeah. see ya. See ya. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they don't engage. No. Mm-hmm. To them, that person's not even, they're not worth their time or attention. No. Man. And it's such a shame. And, and at least it seems in this generation, it's not like it was. And and I know there was a good 10, 15 years, it seems like, that the, the country was torn apart over Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And then it was a very, a very tumultuous time. And it seems as if, you know, we've passed that. Although there's always going to be people that confuse the two, right? Mm-hmm. Because again, military isn't effective if everybody doesn't follow orders. If everybody chooses what they're going to do, you would never get anything done. And I think even a person who can't appreciate a foreign policy decision that a that a, a leader who has way more information, even when I disagree, it has to be admitted, I have no idea what those men and women at the very top echelons of society know about the world and what's going on in it. I don't. And so I have to trust on a certain level that they're making decisions – from a viewpoint that I just don't have. And I think that, you know, when somebody disagrees with it, at least now, I think it's different than back then, right? I think that the uh, the spirit seems different where the, the culture of the society at least recognizes that. And on a certain level, that even if you don't like what's going on over there, if those men and women didn't exist... Who knows what would be happening here? Mm-hmm. Like, it never happens here. Like, when's the last time a battle was fought on American soil? I think it was, like, what, in the 1860s? 
You know, I mean, in other countries, cannot say that. Yeah. You know, there are people alive today that remember when their town and their village was overrun. I grew up in Texas, and I guarantee you, no real battle had come near where I grew up in well over 100 years. And that's only because of the military. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm sure when you served, you didn't agree with every order you got. No. You didn't agree with the policies in place, and you probably didn't agree with some of your chain of command all the way up into the... The political sphere. Absolutely. But that's the thing is we're not, that's not, that's not our job. That's not my job as a soldier, as a non-commissioned officer. Right. It's unbecoming of a non-commissioned officer to question orders or speak ill of those in my chain of command. I won't do it. The oath that you take literally says, I will obey the orders of the president of the United States and of the officers appointed over me. Yeah. So help me God. Like you, if you agree to that up front, doesn't mean you have to agree with what they're saying, but you're agreeing to go through, you're agreeing to follow those orders regardless of your personal beliefs. Yeah. And I've got some that I did not agree with. Yeah. Followed them. Right. Because that's what you took an oath. Right. And it's not, and it's, we're in a culture and a society today where I don't think oaths are taken as seriously as they used to be, but I'm pretty sure the people that take that oath take it very seriously and rightfully so. Right. Most of them, yes. Yes. <laughs> For the most part, yeah. Yeah. Sure. We got a good thing going, you know. I love being in the military. I love being in the army. I love being a soldier. I love going to drill. I love meeting people. Um, it will be something that I when I when I retire, because I'll do 20 years, but when I retire, I will miss it the first day I'm out. Mm. Um, I love it, man. Uh, it sucks, because we get orders like that, or we get tasked out to do things that literally make no sense, but we do them and we share those experiences together. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember mean. when I did the training over at Sobriety House and someone in the audience or in the, the crowd asked, well, you talk about the military like you really enjoyed your time there, but you're also telling us like absolute terrible things that happened. How can that be? And I'm like, it's a love-hate relationship. Mm. It just, it is what it is. You don't have to love, it's almost like, Anything in life, the harder you, the the tougher the situation after the fact, the more you love it. I mean, I got out for a very specific reason, but is, this sounds silly, but to this day, 20 years later, if I see a a Navy recruiting commercial, I get teary-eyed, especially if there's an aircraft carrier. I'm like, oh my, holy shit, I used to live on an aircraft carrier building bombs. Like, that's what I did. Holy shit. And I miss I miss parts of that. I don't miss all of it, but I miss parts of it because it was such a a strong, you know, feeling. The yeah. love and the hate was so strong. Yeah, I'm uh, hol- I'm holding back a, the joke of at least those commercials get somebody because <laughs> they they are so cheesy. They are. They're super cheesy. <laughs> like I'll be the first to say that. But when I see it, it takes me back to that time, yeah. and like I miss that. Yeah, absolutely. I, there's parts of that I miss. Maybe the military should, uh, you know, use some of that emotion of those, some of the things you're talking about, because that's how you sell, right? Emotion, Mm. you know, to get people in instead of going the traditional route. Because, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Well, I (laughs) You you totally get it. I see commercials all the time where I'm like, I've never done any of that. Oh, yeah. I've never done any of that. But if you wanted to show service members coming home to their dogs and be like, join the army. Yeah. Through the roof. 300%. (laughs) 
people would <laughs> right you know like i want my dog to remember me like that i'm gonna join the army and go away for a bit i think that's a perfect segue for a question that i didn't even have down oh. but i really want to ask so they talk about how recruiting has gone down. People are not joining the military like they did in the in the past, right? The volunteer volunteers are down, right? They're doing a lot of things and even lowering some standards mm. to get people to join the various uh, armed forces, right? What any comment? Like oh, yeah. what, like <laughs> You go. You want me to go? Yeah. Okay, I'll go. Um yeah, our generation, this generation right now between the ages of 16 and 22 to 24 is soft. They are soft. They come to us. They have been spoon-fed. Um, now, of course, we get our we get our people that are trying to get out of bad situations, and those people excel. Mm. You know, it's it's the kid who who grew up on the block with the drug dealer four streets down and wanted out of that neighborhood. That kid gets the basic training and kills kills. Mm -hmm. That guy will be an NCO in three or four years. He'll retire. He'll have a great pension. He'll have a great life, and he'll have earned all of it. But too many kids watch video games, play video games now. They play Call of Duty, and they think that's what that's what this is. And they sign up for the military, and they come in with these expectations like things are going to be given to them. The military is a meritocracy. You gain what you earn off of merit, your own merit. You will not get ahead by thinking you are owed something in the military. And if I may say one more thing, I am the physical fitness NCO of my company. There are too many out-of-shape kids trying to join the military. We are a physically fit fighting force. We are no good to anyone if we, we aren't physically fit. It is not hard to pass a PT test in the military. It is not hard. And unfortunately, I get too many kids coming straight from basic training, and I wonder how they ever made it through. So ret retention and recruiting is is not the best right now. And I would like to see it be better. Um, the I don't have a solution to that. I would just like to see kids more active. I'd like to see them more engaged and outside more. Yeah. You know, and a little bit more willing to think of a team mentality instead of an I, I, I. Well, yeah. And um, to expand on the softness, I think if you could, if you could define softness, part of that is uh, selfishness, right? Yeah. The military, people who are in the military for the most part, we have sort of this mindset of there are wolves in the world, there are sheep in the world, and there are sheepdog. And we are the sheepdog. And we're here to look after the rest of the people and keep them safe from the wolf. Um, and our the society that are coming up now, it comes from a very selfish place. And so everybody's a sheep. And there's just less and less sheepdog out there to that are willing to take that that responsibility on. Yeah. People have been taught, I mean, they've been bred and taught for a long time now that college is the only way. And it's right. not. Mm -mm. Trade schools, I, I am not a college-educated man. I have mm. been to college for periods of time. I've probably done a total of two years. But I am a tradesman. That is my craft. I, you know, I make more money than a lot of people I know that graduated college, quite a bit more. And I'm yeah. my own boss, and I self, you know, I earned everything that I got. Um, you don't need a college education, but if you want one... The military will give you one. Absolutely. You got to earn it. Too many kids come in thinking the fact that they've joined has given them the right and they've earned this stuff. You still got to earn it. You sign the contract and you earn everything. But the military is a great way to accomplish so many goals. Set a goal in life. I guarantee you there's a way to get there by joining the military. Well said. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I thought, I thought I'd ask that since, you know, 
That was like a there recruiting, recruiting, you know, commercial right there. You're right there, bud. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, one, just, that one gets me. I was just going to say the paperwork, the sheer paperwork, <laughs> and I, I, yeah, we could talk for days on that one. <laughs> he was squirming in his seat before he yeah, even he finished the question. Know, he was like, ready. oh man, he was so ready. I'm glad I asked then, you know, because obviously there was something to be said about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I get what you're saying. I have a friend that um, he had a degree. He, he's an immigrant. And so one of the things they were like, hey, you don't have papers yet? As soon as you're done with boot camp, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that and we'll get that sorted out. And he's fundamentally a different person. Like as soon as I saw him, like, you know, much later on, there's still a couple things that I'm just like, oh, bro, you know, we can, we can tie that up, man. But he's <laughs> fundamentally like a different, mm-hmm. there's just something. There's something there. And he went into officer school and, you know, asked that's him. That's so, what's different. That's what's different. Yeah. <laughs> Don't trust him. No, there's just a, kidding. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a big difference between officer and enlisted just in general. But go ahead. Right, And, and yeah, and I, w- and I totally wouldn't know. But, oh. you know, he went in having, you know, had a degree, which actually had nothing to do with what he does now, you know, because I think he's uh, doing some uh, accounting. Yeah. In yeah. the military. Oh, it's, I, so our friend who was enlisted and became an officer. We work with Traitor. her. And that, <laughs> she, but it, she, she was telling me uh, this story because it was like really funny. So she had just, I guess, I think it was at the Air Force. She had just gotten her uh, uh, lieutenant. I think she was a lieutenant. And she was walking with and to her old friends. And like she said, it was like her first day. And everybody was saluting. And she's standing there. And saluting, you know what I mean? Like it didn't, couldn't figure out like what was, who, who are they, what's going on? And she was like, oh, it's me. <laughs> well, they're saluting me. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I don't know. It was kind of a funny story. She's, she's a humorous person. Yeah. But I don't know. I was going to say, I grew up watching like Saturday morning cartoons that were interspersed with these uh, marine commercials. With the sword, the dragon, the, the dragon, yes, best, best recruiting best commercial, commercial ever. ever. Yeah, I grew up wanting. They made me angry because yeah. they're so good, like yeah. Marines. And then that one where, like, <laughs> they show the coast, and it's as if the entire coast is aligned with Marines in dress uniform, and you're just like, I have to do that. Yeah. And I was actually at a Marine recruiter at like 18, you know, and I, I came very close, right? And I had a friend who actually that's that's what he did. Yeah, they'll get you. Yeah, so many guys. This guy was the sword huge. and the dragon got so many guys. Oh man, I'm like, I get a sword. <laughs> Can I look this up on YouTube? <laughs> oh, yeah. Those oh yeah, those two things. So, I need yeah. to. I need I to mean, see it. I need to see sword, sword and dragons. It got so many. I just got back from uh, a, a Marine Corps school. It's an inner service school, but it's taught by the Marine Corps. And somehow this conversation came up about recruiting commercials because we everyone roasts the Navy and the Air Force. Yeah, of course. We always roast yep. the Navy and Air Force, but. I mean, it, it was a consensus number one, the sword and the dragon. Yeah. Oh, that's the yeah, greatest it, commercial it, of all time. It, you're going to fight a dragon in your class A uniform with a sword. <laughs> right. My man. Go. <laughs> Hoorah. Go Marines. I have to see this. Oh, yeah. We, we, well, we'll show it. Yeah. Because I grew up seeing it. Like, it was on a lot. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. They knew what they were doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They do. Yeah. They're unique guys. Yes, they yeah. are. When the army says, like, Roger or Hua, they, they say kill. That's their way of saying, like, yes, or we agree. You know, everybody got that? Kill. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard that, yeah. Kill? 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, I heard it and I just thought, yeah, it's badass. Yeah, I, I did. I, had, <laughs> I did too. <laughs> you know, why can't we say stuff like that? That's what I want. <laughs> so, um, I have another question. I th- believe uh, what you said is that Memorial Day for any service member is a much more um, emotional. Shall, can we use that word? Holiday that's observed. I, I don't know. Is, is holiday even like? And so, I, I don't know how to like say this. But anyway, Memorial oh. Day, um, it really like hits you know close to home for you know service members. Why is why is that? Do you want me to take this? Go for it. You know that's that's back to the camaraderie and the brotherhood and the sisterhood that we all share. The community. Um, when you've lost a member of that community, it's like losing a family member and there's there's always a sense that that person was gone too soon and like your if your mom or dad or sister or brother died like there's there's no specific holiday to remember them by and you don't have you don't celebrate the day of their death right memorial day is a day to remember um, is it is it people lost in combat or is it all veterans it's combat right combat so um soldiers Airmen, seamen, marines, coasties, anyone lost in a combat operation, I believe is correct. Um, and then it's just become a day where um, I just think about everybody who's a vet who's not, not alive anymore that I know. That's just me personally. But it's it's extremely emotional. It's It goes back to that brotherhood. And that's that's it's hard to describe really. Um, I know I have a, I have some friends who they really have concrete routines on memorial day you know i have a friend who has a concrete routine that on memorial day he's gonna bring a rippet which is an energy drink that they drank deployed he's gonna bring a rippet to his friend's grave and he's gonna put one there and he's gonna drink his rippet the he's, he's got it down to the flavor and everything and every year he doesn't coordinate this right but every year he shows up and there's five or six other guys there that, that he deployed with and they take they take pictures together and they sit there and they may talk into the night and they may go get a couple beers and sit there on the headstones and talk but that's that's what it's all about i mean veterans day is a day for everyone who served memorial day is the day to remember those who died while serving mm-hmm. mm, absolutely okay. yeah i mean it it's weird to use the word holiday especially in america where everyone's like oh memorial day is the day we get a we get a day off from work we get to barbecue mm. it's about memorializing people who've made the ultimate sacrifice mm-hmm. and for those of us who have a connection to someone who did make that sacrifice it's a sombering day it is not a day of celebration it's not a day of barbecues and watching movies and fireworks it's it's a sad day brings up a lot of really bad memories. Um, and it can be, it, it, and for those people that have veterans or even active duty people in their life, Memorial Day is a day to really reach out to those people because mm-hmm. they could be struggling. They probably are struggling. Okay. Um, because yeah, Veterans Day is a day to celebrate those of us who are still here, right? It, it really is a celebration. Memorial Day is a very, very different tone to it. Wow. Yeah. I had I had should. never considered it from that aspect. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, I hate I'd stay off social media on, on Memorial Day. Like with all due respect, I don't give a fuck about your barbecue. Right. Yeah. This day I Or your better, sale down at the furniture I don't store or care. whatever. I yeah. don't want to buy a truck. Like nope. I think everyone should be somber. That's just my mm-hmm. maybe jaded opinion of the day, but 
you know, Veterans Day, by all means, have a barbecue, do whatever you want, make yeah. yourself happy. Like You know, and I think to even add to that is not everyone uh, experiences Memorial Day the same way. There could be people who experience Memorial Day as like, my brother gave his life or my sister gave her life and I want to celebrate them today. And that's their own personal decision of how you want to memorial, right? memorialize that person. But okay, in yeah. general, it's a it's not a day of celebration. Right. It's a, it's a memorial or memorial day, however yeah, you really choose is. to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I think almost uh, – and I had never really considered it from that aspect at all. So thank you. Yeah. But from talking about it, I can almost think, like when you described that, how – and I know uh, Locke is uh, from the great state of Louisiana. and uh, Go LSU. Uh, there you <laughs> go. And um, – Still disappointed that the Saints beat my Cowboys, but it's oh. a whole other discussion. Who that? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Throw both of them in there um, for you. But you know how they have they'll, they'll do the funerals down there, but it's like they do the marches with the oh, playing. Yeah, yeah. They, you You're know. talking about a jazz funeral, yeah. yeah mm, you know, yeah. and I think for some people that is how they would memorialize their fallen, mm-hmm. but for others, no, right? And so just knowing that to be respectful of that, and I, I agree. I yeah. looking at it from that angle, I can see how like the truck sale or people who have never experienced that inviting a veteran to a barbecue without taking into account. Well, they, they probably through. they yeah. probably don't know. No, to I be honest. They don't. no, no, no. And, and I get it because I didn't know. Right? And honestly, you're gonna find some really dark humor on Memorial Day. Like veterans have naturally dark humor yes. anyway, and it's always good to check in on somebody. And be yeah. like, hey, how you doing today? Yeah. Don't be surprised if some if like hey, I know you. You know, like I know you're remembering so and so today. Like, how mm-hmm. you doing? Don't be surprised if that person answers back like fuck them. They sucked anyway. Right. That's just how veterans joke. Yeah. You know. That's yeah. just how they are. That's how they deal with death and grief. And mm-hmm. a yeah. lot of times that's our that's one of our coping mechanisms, sure. I would say. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, really dark, unnecessary, and inappropriate <laughs> humor. <laughs> and that sticks with us the rest of our life. Shared amongst each other. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's similar in the mental health field that uh, you're working with – an extreme population. If yeah. you can't find some humor in there amongst each other, right. you're just going to burn out and be miserable. We we yeah. experience that where we work. You know, sometimes we say things to each other that we find funny. Oh yeah, that we would never say in front of somebody who didn't know what we were talking right. about or coming mm-hmm. from the because they would be like, "What?" Yeah. But mm-hmm. for us, it's the way of blowing off that steam so that. When we deal with that next situation that is just, you know, off the wall, right. we're not burnt out by it. Right. You know? And multiply that by a million when sure. people have literally seen their brother or sister make the ultimate sacrifice right in front of them. Yeah. How could you not have a dark humor? Right? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the way to stay sane, it would seem yeah. like. Yeah. Maybe don't join in with them, though. No, because I mean, it's not yeah. They place. can roast their dead friend. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. No, I <laughs> yeah. get that. Yeah, I get yeah. that. That's not I generally same. just laugh and say, all right, man. Okay. <laughs> that was yeah. funny. That was a good one. I'm going to steal it, but not today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I would tread lightly. So, you know, we're talking about Memorial Day. And so I had a question. Um, as someone who runs a podcast... Everyone wants to post stuff on days like that, right? So we've talked about the commercials, like all these things that happen. Last, this year on Memorial Day, I was in, we were riding down in the van because we went and decided to barbecue for some of our clients. And I was talking to Aaron about this because I'm looking at my phone and I was trying to figure out how 
do I say something, stay within like my like boundaries, right? My own, right? And but also like it it felt like a, such a like a, a tricky thing to kind of navigate. And so I guess it's a two part thing. Is it okay to post stuff, right? And you know, if so, like how did I do? I want you guys to judge mine. Um because I just said, and it was really just in line with exactly what everyone said. First off, I did not want to go with, you know, the flag and eagle. And, like, I didn't want to, like, overdo it. I, th- I, I really felt that it was about the human beings and this sacrifice that was made. So I just said, in memory of those who paid the ultimate sacrifice, uh, fighting for what they believed in. And, you know, I added this quote by John F. Kennedy where, you know, he talked and, and, mm-hmm. and I just left it at that. And it was a very simple, you know, very subtle. So, OK, so I'm OK. And is, is that disrespectful? Is it like would it be appropriate? That was absolutely appropriate. And I think another thing to point out is and we were just talking about Mattis. Uh, he he recently I'm trying to remember how long ago this was, but he did an interview where he was talking about uh, post-traumatic growth and um, that veterans need to be not so invested in the victimhood that our country is promoting right now. And there are, you know, even within, even though the veteran community is literally like 7% of our, of the U.S. population, so we're a small, a small community, even within that community, it's so diverse, and we all have different ways of thinking about things. And so I think there's a balance, right? Like there's being respectful, and that's completely respectful. Um, but also, like, if you want to post, like, hey, we're having a barbecue today. Again, we served this country so that you can do what you want to do. and. My personal opinion, as a veteran, veterans need to be, we complain about people not having a thick skin and people being soft and people being snowflakes. Well, sometimes veterans are that way Mm -hmm. and they get pissed off if someone says, thank you for your service or says something about a barbecue on Memorial Day. There's a balance, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you need to be respectful and, but at the same time, don't yeah. feel like you have to say anything. Exactly. Either. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I totally agree with you there. One hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. Um. I don't judge anyone for not saying anything. Yeah. I. I in fact just appreciate the fact that you took the time to say anything. Right. But don't expect anyone to say anything. I just appreciate it when they do. Mm-hmm. More or less, I just if someone chooses to make things political on a social media platform mm-hmm. that day, while acknowledging that it's Veterans Day or something. Well, yeah, we're veterans. We're looking for a fight. Yeah. But other than that, man, we, you know, you've earned the right to do anything. And that right. It's like. We, we, we love you no matter what. But that was, I want to say that particular one. I love that. Yeah. Because I love that quote. And yeah, I appreciate good. that. That was the only thing that I could feel okay with, you know, posting. You know, I really did think about it. I, re- I was just looking at my I phone. Remember. I remember. Yeah. 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 We, I, we were writing right by King Supers. Yeah. And when I posted that and I was like, this is the only thing I can think of that I can do that. I think is you know is good. You want to know? You want to know my favorite one? Yeah. And I, I'll butcher it because I butcher everything, and I don't know how to talk right. <laughs> but it's uh, there's no greater love for than for a man to lay down his life for his friends. Mm-hmm. So that's my favorite one. I post that pretty like m- pretty much every Memorial Day. Yep. I like it. I like it. 
one more quick question okay mm. what can we as civilians uh do to increase our competence and you know just kind of strengthen that connection or even just find a way to connect with the military uh, service members because not all of us have someone in our family you know but it doesn't mean that we don't care well as someone who teaches about military cultural competence i would say you know it, and, and granted my what i do is more geared towards people who are providing a service to veterans or military right for the average person if you have someone in your life whether it's a coworker or a friend or your neighbor and you know they're a veteran like engage with them and and don't be intrusive about it right just be respectful just like you would with any other thing or any other culture right mm-hmm. just be engaged and ask engaging questions and just ask their point of view on things and if they don't want to talk about it they will definitely let you know cuz we are pretty to the point blunt when we don't want to say something or we want to say something we just say it. So, and 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 if that is what happens, don't take offense to that. You know, it's everybody responds differently uh to these things, but being engaged and and wanting to learn more and you know, I I spoke earlier about uh, other veteran service organizations find an organization that you can participate in. You know, I talked about Team Rubicon or The Mission Continues. Those are veteran-owned or veteran-run uh, programs, but they're full of civilians who want to have that connection and want to understand that population. And there's so many ways, whether it's, you know, pay attention to the news. Like, for example, uh, November 9th, um, there's a, a female, an all-female veteran panel where they're talking. Like, find things like that to go to where you can learn about uh, and hear the stories of veterans firsthand. And then maybe afterwards, stick around, ask a couple questions. Uh, there's so many ways to get engaged in the community and get to know these people in a way that's not, thank you for your service, and, and makes everyone feel awkward. Mm. Yeah, right. A much richer experience in a better way. Uh, well, a, a, another way, you know, for, yeah, for me. That's one of, <laughs> I always feel like uh, people... I don't know. I'm always looking to have, I'm, I'm hope, really horrible at the small talk, you know? I'm always looking to have a much richer, deeper experience with sure. people. It, like, it doesn't matter what it is, right? So, but then also I come off as like being, I don't know, some, I mean, some, some the reactions I get sometimes, you know, like, <laughs> like, dude, we're having fun here, man. <laughs> <laughs> what did you ask me? <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Well, that, that's a great answer. And thank you. you. You have something, Locke? I would say just be yourself. I don't, I would not want to be treated different and I wouldn't want to be treated different because someone found out I was a veteran. That mm. would be weird to me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, connecting with a veteran is just connecting with a person. I like that. Connecting yep. with someone in the military, find find something in common. If you, you don't need to feel different than them and they shouldn't feel different than you for the fact that you didn't serve and they did, it doesn't, it, it bears no, it bears no meaning. If you like tattoos, talk about tattoos. Most of them like tattoos. I I do. Find something to yeah. talk about. Find something in common and just and just shoot the shit to put it brashly. Yeah. I mean that's right. just that's we're just that's just what we like to do. Human beings. We generally yeah. like to keep things pretty light. Right. You know? Yeah. And I- even if like if it's someone you're in passing, it might be a little bit more awkward. Like you said, small talk. But if it's someone that's a neighbor or a coworker, like yeah, just be yourself. Mm-hmm. Start out with regular conversation. Any relationship is about trust. 
So if you build that trust with somebody, then they're going to be more likely to share with you what their experience was like on some level. And if they don't, then respect that. Yeah, everyone's going to respond differently. Some people are going to be going to tell you all about it, whether you want to hear about it or not, and all the way to the other end of the spectrum. So yeah, just be yourself and and be willing to engage and kind of step outside your your comfort zone to to learn about something new. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah, I like how you how both of you put that. It was awesome. I love it. Yeah, I'm I'm done with the questions. Yeah. So uh, I just wanted to point out that I, I uh, contain my inflammatory political rhetoric to July Fourth, uh, which I, I feel is, <laughs> oh, is Aaron. Is I more know. Appropriate. <laughs> I know, my friend. And I and I also <laughs> wanted to say that I am living proof that you can have, uh, you know, political views that are you know off center, right, and different, and you can be fiercely loyal to those views, and have have it have no bearing on uh, your relationship with uh, the military and and the veterans who have served. Simply by recognizing, like I said earlier, you know, like I grew up in a town that had not seen war in 150 years, and that is entirely due to the men and women who served in the armed forces. A lot of places, a lot of people, we forget that as Americans. We forget that we live in this comfortable place that isn't regularly destroyed by strife and internal wars between political factions. Other places, that's how life is and mm-hmm. has been for a long time. And even when we disagree vehemently politically, it does not descend to that level because of the professionalism of our armed forces directly, right? Because the men and women who serve there are themselves Americans and dedicated to the same freedoms that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. And that is awesome. And that is something that anybody, regardless of your political persuasion, can appreciate and love. Well said. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. And I would even I would even add on to that. I, I don't remember who said it, but uh, it was a special forces guy that does a podcast. I, I can't remember who it was, but... We military, people who join the military, we volunteer to do those jobs so that you don't have to. Right. So we don't want you to feel miserable or guilty or, you know, we don't want you to have to hear or see the things that we have to see and do. That's why we do them. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. 100%. Thank you. You know, I'm so glad that we had this. I've been waiting, you know, now I remember I asked you early on this year and I remember being very specific about how I was like, oh yeah, you know, memorial's coming up and I don't know if you want to have, you know, this discussion around somewhere, not you around did. that time, right? Yep, we but, had that talk. And, you, you know, you were like, and you, and you just respectfully were like, you know what, I don't know if that's the day, you know what I'm saying? I don't think that's the, the time. And I was like, you know what, cool. I mean, yeah. if there's anyone who's going to, you know, inform me, why not you? You mean yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you you are in the military, right. so yeah. Please, I'm so glad we had to get, uh, got to have this discussion That's because great. I really see. Uh, I've had some members of my family that were in the military. You know, not not for a long time. My my um my grandfather's brother and uh, one of my uncles, and just the way he moved in life, and I spent a lot of time with him and his kids. Everything he taught us now, looking in, in, in hindsight, there was so much of that baked in and the discipline and some of the lessons. And I just really, really appreciate, you know, getting to really know a lot more and to connect with uh, through, you know, this educational experience. 
um i feel a lot closer to you guys also you know like early on i just had a moment where i was like man this is this is intense <laughs> but but in a good way you know mm-hmm. yeah. um so i really really do thank you um and you know i'm i'm also grateful to all the other military service members out there for you know being your brothers and sisters and 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 being there for you you know and um i hope everyone's going to enjoy veterans day cuz that 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 is a day of uh, celebration mm-hmm. okay all right see i just learned that <laughs> quick learner <laughs> i mean i celebrate on veterans day so yeah, yeah. great do you, you know what other just if i could quickly you know what other day uh, is a celebration for the army yeah it's the Army Navy game because oh, we've man. won the last <laughs> three years. Here we go. Yeah, you get excited, but mm. how many years did the Navy win prior to those three years? That's, All that's, of the that's years. in the past. <laughs> people don't. Oh my God. People forget. <laughs> I just, sorry, I had to say it. I lightly. knew this was going to happen. It was only a matter of time. <laughs> well, we talked about humor. It's yep. our it's our thing in the military. Yeah. Man. Yep. Yeah. That's if you great. see veterans like. Like arguing with each other and cuss words and terrible things being said, it's out of love. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. All right, man, this has been this has been a great show. Yeah, it's been so great. Man, so thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, yeah and thank absolutely. thank you for inviting us on, yeah. having some unique perspective. And uh, the more we talk about this, the less the stigma is there. Right. Uh, so yeah, thank you for providing this opportunity. One hundred percent, and uh, we will not rule out having you back. I'm sure this is a discussion that we can have more than once. Yes, um, probably you know other things, uh, different angles we can uh, discuss. And so, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So glad to have you. Um, I'm in. You're in. Mm-hmm. All right. It was a long drive. Can I just say that also? Yeah. The fact that you just jumped back in that fast. I'm, I'm really. That's impressive. Like I said, kindred spirits, man. We just, yep. we're just, we're just here to help. We yep. just want to help somehow. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, with that said, I think we're going to go ahead and you know knock um, this one out. Knock this one out. Kind of uh, end it. Uh, again, if you would like to reach our guest today, you can reach reach Tiffany Morgan of Your Weapon Is Your Mind. LLC at your weapon is your mind at gmail.com. That's your weapon is your mind at gmail.com. Um, you can also reach Locke Davis at on his Facebook at L O C K D A V I S. Or you can, you know, reach us at uh, to teach one.com as well. Yeah. If you want to get a hold of anybody or resources or anything, uh, let us know. Yeah. We will do our best to link um, as many resources as possible in the description to this. Um, and we'll talk with Tiffany and with Locke and, you know, anything we can, you know, provide um, to some of the local resources, online resources, uh, just so everyone can benefit from this. Yeah. All right. So with that said, um, until next time, uh, this is going to be airing on the 7th. Uh, happy Ver- Veterans Day to everyone, which is on the 11th. My name's Adrian. My name's Aaron. My name is Locke. My name's Tiffany. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.